It's the Adam Crowley Show. Take me home to a in the back of my pickup. Take me home, Will Greer, in but Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73, at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Got a couple of people tweeting at me saying I've had too much Robitussin because I said there were two burning question number sevens. Tom called me out on that. I apologize wholeheartedly. I will count correct next Tuesday at 5.40. Also, somebody else told me that I am Adam Purple Drank Crowley. I find that offensive. Please never say anything like that to me again. Jim Wexel joins us now on the Crowley Show. He's the publisher from Steel City Insider, also the associate editor at Steelers Digest. Jim, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much, Crowley. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Absolutely. I always will come on your show. Love it, man, and we love having you, you, you on. You know, you're uh, you're like the uh, best-kept secret in Pittsburgh. Hey, maybe you're the best-kept secret in Pittsburgh, Jim. Well, it takes one to know one. You're damn right it does. It's uh, kind of disturbing, isn't it? It is. Maybe we're the only two people who like each other, but we'll go down we'll go down in each other's arms, my friend. Uh, Jim, I put this out on Twitter because of the Antonio Brown situation, but uh, have you ever thrown anything in a fit of rage? Because uh, I have, and 89% of the people voting on the poll say that they have too. Oh, you know, my catcher's mask, things like that, sure. Yeah, uh, you know. Reporters that get in my face. (laughs) (laughs) I once threw a Richie Walsh. I forgot about that. That's a good point by you. Uh, Jim, uh, as far as distractions go, that doesn't qualify for me. I think the Steelers are more likely to rib Antonio Brown about it uh, than they are to actually allow that to affect their performance on the field. Ribbing's a little strong. I don't know that you want to that use the word rib, you know, they, that's what they may do because apparently there was some danger to somebody uh, according to one side of this story and how it was splashed by TMZ. So let's let's remember it's just one side of the story and the language used in the TMZ story was not akin to the Washington Post. <laughs> um, uh, distraction, more like an explanation. You know, I remember the mob around Antonio's locker in minicamp when he started getting really strange about the reporters, and I, I really uh, I didn't I didn't know any local uh, guys were were ripping Antonio, and I didn't understand his anger, and he was lashing out at no one in particular. But there was something wrong; something was on his mind. And ever since then, and then you know the incident with Ed Bouchette at St. Vincent, and 
than than later, you know, than the mob scene we had around him. He, he, he's more, he was more defiant. There was something up, and this is more of an explanation. That's a really good point, good word. Jim Wexler joining us here on the Crowley Show. Moving to the more tangible, uh, it seemed like Keith Butler uh, brought more blitzers on Sunday. Maybe that's not the right term, actually, but he was more creative in bringing the pass rushers that he brought, and I don't think that they were as content to allow Atlanta to sustain a drive the way that it went down against Baltimore. I thought that they were just sort of hoping Baltimore was going to make a mistake, and I feel like they sort of forced the hand of Atlanta in this game. Would you agree with that assessment? I I would think that the second half of the Baltimore game was a well better played defensively. So whatever they did there, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accuse them. Uh, This game, uh, two two things, and both revolve around Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton's a great blitzer. Yeah. He doesn't give that disguise up until the right time, and then he comes. And two, Mike Hilton told me that the game plan was to attack the Atlanta offensive line. They thought that was their weak spot. So, you know, you would attack a, a team's weak, weak point, and maybe they didn't feel that the offensive line was a weak point of Baltimore, that it would be futile, and they didn't have Hilton against Baltimore. You know, he's a little guy, and, and you don't think he does much, but he's an effective football player. He really is, and the secondary is better when he's in there, and they bring more pressure whenever he's in there. Yeah, the front's more effective yeah. when that little guy's in there. <laughs> it really is, and it's interesting because you look at the Steelers last, you're setting a franchise record in sacks, and then you see how many Mike Hilton was able to have himself, how many he was able to facilitate, and then same thing with Vince Williams. Um you're starting to see that maybe a little bit again with the Steelers defense. It was just one game, but he makes a huge difference. I thought the other thing that made a big difference, Jim, was they had Joe Hayden shadowing Julio Jones, who was a non-factor, uh, particularly in the first half. They did it against Hopkins last year. Is this something that you would expect them to do more of? Well, I, I, you know, they have their reasons, and Tom kind of gave a – a murky reason why it might not happen with A.J. Green. Uh, I, I didn't really understand it all, but, uh, you know, smart football men have their reasons. <laughs> so, uh, but Joe Hayden didn't play against Baltimore. Am I right about that? Uh, so, you know, I, I think he and Hilton were out. So as an effective man coverage guy, they're only really, truly effective man coverage guy. So, you know, whatever they're going to do with him, whether it's shadow A.J. Green the entire game or, or whatever they do, it, they're going to be stronger in the secondary. You know, he's turned out to be a great find, hasn't he? Yeah, there's uh, no... Joe, Joe Hayden, yeah. And, uh, you know, not just on the field, uh, in the locker room. He's a great leader, uh, and he's, uh, you know, uh, just a good guy. Just a good guy. Jim Wexel joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, you, you talk about attacking a team's weakness. Well, Atlanta's defense not very good, and the Steelers, they set out to use James Conner. They set out to run the football, and they were able to do uh, those things in this football game. Uh, I tend to want to simplify things, Jim, and the Steelers didn't really have an identity, I thought, going into this game. And I think the identity can be our offensive line's really stinking good. And go out there, try to establish the run. Some of the game score circumstances have uh, affected that a little bit, I think. But uh, now the offensive line is healthy. I think this should be the way that they go. And I know that you want a game plan for particular opponents, but you can get the run game going and you can use a little bit of play action. I know they don't love doing play action. I think it just helps everything and it settles that whole side of the ball down. 
Yeah, but, you know, Cincinnati has a much better front than Atlanta. That's true. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that their, their weakness will be the offensive line. And I don't know that they've ever got that fixed from losing guys like Whitworth and, and so on. But, uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, you know, the Steelers know how to beat Cincinnati, especially mm-hmm. there. So I'll leave it up to them. And a lot of it has had to do with Le'Veon Bell. But also, you also see that, that counter tray they run, you know, with Dave DeCastro pulling left. And, that, and that's one, one thing that offensive line has going for is its athleticism. Maybe some other teams it doesn't match up against uh, girth-wise. But these guys are all athletic. You even saw Pouncey pulling a couple times. It was good to see uh, last week. So I, I, I wonder if they'll use more of that, you know, go back to that, which sometimes they do and sometimes they get away from. But they, whatever they do against Cincinnati, they've had good luck. I know they're brutal games to watch, and they're physical, and they're grinding, but they usually do well, especially in Cincinnati. You usually see the tight ends involved a lot too, don't you, Jim? Yeah, and uh, an extra extra lineman. I mean, yeah. they're, they're jumbo package. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would suspect. But then you've got the big boss in the middle, perfect. I mean, he's a load. He's a run stuffer in the old school sense. So you know, it, it, it mix it up, mix it up. Uh, I, I I have no problems with Randy Feekner's play call. I've kind of liked it. So. I know he's getting some criticism, but I guess that goes with the position. I, I kind of like what he does. Jim, how do you view the roughing the passer point of emphasis? And what do you think about the calls on Sunday? And what have you thought about it? Just speaking as Mike Tomlin globally. <laughs> uh, I never like to speak globally; it gets me in trouble. But um, <laughs> you know, I think the call on T.J. Bryant was just uh, T.J. Watt was just missed. Yes, you know, he went low. And then Watt went, uh, uh, Ryan went down. Uh, so they call that's an old call. And uh, well, you know what, Jim? By- not to interrupt, buddy. But I, I actually kind of looked at that as all of the calls that had been made actually affected that, and that's what they should want is is TJ Watt flying in and pulling back and not hitting the guy's leg. That to me is what the league should want. Yes, exactly. I just I just think the guy missed it. Yeah. The other call was a good call, Bostic. You know, he he gave him the business late. He drove him down late, and that's what the weight, where the weight on the quarterback rule comes in. They had him down, but Bostic wanted more, and he slammed him down that little extra after he had already been sacked. So, uh, you know, I thought the TJ Watt call was bad, and I think Mike Tomlin was using up a. One, two, and one. The calls made during one, two, and one. You don't want to complain and whine after you lose. You win big. Now's the mm-hmm. time to get out all those calls that have, have bothered you. But what I liked about the Steelers, and the T.J. Watt call was a perfect example. Uh, they know now that you know they, they've been trying you know, be aggressive out there, hit these guys, run, fly around, and hit. Well, there's a line that they've been crossing, just hitting late. And getting getting stupid penalties on the sideline, Sean Davis getting that. Uh, but here, TJ was 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 coming aggressively, but still under control. Mm. And I think they've found that line after after a poor start. Controlled aggression. Yeah, I think they've they've got a handle on that right now. Bostic might have been the last flaming ember of that over aggressive stage. I, I like Bostic as a football player, and I think he knew he made a mistake there, but. I, I think he knows. I, I, I liked, I liked, I like Bostic. 
you know, I like Bostic and I like Matikevich. Uh, I don't, you know, they just haven't played well with Vince there. I'm not going to say I don't like Vince, but they haven't played well with him in there, and they've played better with the other guys in there. And I like LJ Fork, too. He's a good athlete. Jim Wexel, publisher, Steel City Insider, also the associate editor at Steelers Digest. Really appreciate the time, man, and it's you and me, the last two people, as the Titanic goes down. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Take care, buddy. Thanks a lot. That's Jim Wexel. Love that guy. Uh, he gives really good analysis. Uh, he is tapped in. So we'll have him on as much as possible. Coming up next. Antonio Brown's being sued because he almost killed a toddler. It's not as funny, actually, when you put it that way. It's Crowley show. Adam Crowley. He's not ordinary. He's extraordinary. So when you are, you know, when you are expertism, you know, you have to accept the fact that he's different. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is not a visual medium. I was just dancing. You were crunking. I was, and I was really feeling I had my eyes closed. I coughed so hard like two minutes ago that I was seeing stars. So I start crunking a little bit, right, as the music's going on, a little cutty action. And it now hits me that for the last 20 seconds, there's just music playing on the air. I was like, you were jamming. (laughs) His eyes were closed. Like, you didn't see it, but I pointed. I was like, I looked at Tom, and I, like, pointed at you. And Tom looks over and he leans over the board like, you were deep in it, dude. I think at one point Brian thought you were so far gone that he turned his mic on and was like, I, I might have to bring us back from break here. Yeah, I did. No, yeah. that's exactly what happened. I thought we were in the middle of like an NWA video. Sean Hannity does that all the time on his show where he'll be like, yeah, I don't feel like talking for the next six minutes. Here's a Florida Georgia Line yeah. song. Here's Martina McBride. It Let is always Martina McBride. Yeah, it's always that same song. Boy, is that song great, though. It is until you hear it every day at the beginning of that song, that show. Yeah. Should we have a new sh- song to kick off the no, show? No, I like that song. Country <laughs> Roads? No, hell no, definitely not. No. Maybe uh, switch out "Who Let the Dogs Out" with Country Roads? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. That song is reserved for me and Tom making up lyrics to it and singing them to make fun of you. What about f- instead of Kung Fu Fighting? No, that's absolutely stays. not. Dave in Colorado would personally come down here and kick your ass if we took Kung Fu Fighting off. Yeah, and you don't want Dave in Colorado on your bad side. He throws stuff. Where's Mr. Richard? I haven't heard from him in a while at 412-922-2874. Are you baiting callers to call in now? Well, I'm just a little... Do you have content for this segment? I do. I'm a little bit... You sure? I do. I'm a little bit worried, though, that Mr. Richard is deceased because he usually calls in in the late 5, early 6 o'clock hour, and we haven't heard from him for weeks, and... I'm worried that he pooped himself to death. I like how you go from didn't call my show to must be dead. I mean, he. No, I'm with you on it. I just like how you did it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I do appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Because Braden hadn't been around for a couple of days, and I thought he might be dead. He's obviously dead. Came back to life, though. 
I need to check in on Braden and make sure he's not just tweeting other radio hosts and slowly cheating on us. No, Braden does tweet other radio hosts, by the way. I have been on that. He tweets Mikey and Big Bob all the time. What? He tweets the DVE morning show all the time. No, he's, you know, like I, at first I'm like, wow, this Braden really likes us as good. But like the deeper I look, he might be a little bit of a radio slut. Ugh, just uh, a little disgusting. bit of a radio slut. I just hit myself in the face with a microphone. Uh, that's what a radio slut would do, I suppose. I am okay with Braden. Mike Slap. Being flirtatious with other radio hosts, as long as they're not in my time slot. He's deep in. He's deep in their timelines. Okay, let me make sure he's not getting after anybody else. This yeah. is this is what this segment's been reserved for. I actually have it in my show sheet here. It says, talk about Braden. Talk about Braden and cheating on the show. And try to bait Mr. Richard to call in. Well, That's 412-922-2874. When you're a listener to this show, you become a part of the show. You become part of the family, and we care about you. And if you're trying to do some seedy stuff behind our back with other radio hosts, well, look. I don't see anything else in our time slot, so we're good. We're a one-listener kind of show. Yes, we are. If I speak <laughs> Wait, no, every day, <laughs> if I speak every day to Braden, I'll feel like everyone yeah. else is getting it. Mr. Rogers' documentary, I watched that last night, and Mr. Rogers said, well, I look at one person in the crowd. That's a terrible Mr. Rogers. I'm just going to go back with my voice. You're doing Tom's mom for Mr. Rogers. I am, and Stat Pat seems to be the same guy, too. I don't know how all that worked out, even though Stat Pat's his own separate entity. Mr. Rogers said, whenever I look into the TV screen, or whenever I look into the camera, which then connects you to the TV screen, I'm looking at one person. And if I can communicate to that one person, I've done my job. Is it weird? Like, I feel like that person was me that he was speaking to? No, it was me. You lie. It was Tom. How was that document? Oh, my God. It was great. I'm going to try to get Tom Janot on, even though that's Tom's job. He uh, writes for Sports Illustrated and a couple of other entities. He was one of Mr. Rogers' friends. He's prominently featured in this documentary. It was honestly fabulous, and I had tears streaming down my face at the end. For how much, real. How much Pittsburgh do we get in it? Oh, it's Pittsburgh porn. Yeah? It's Pittsburgh porn. Nice. And it addresses some of the myths about Mr. Rogers. You know the one where people say he had tattoos all down his arm, but uh -huh. the sweater was just covered? Not true. They were on his ass, right? Exactly. Yeah. People also said that Mr. Rogers went to Nam and killed a whole bunch of people. That never happened. No, mm, Afghanistan. Okay. Also not true. Oh, North Korea. Didn't happen. The moon? He did do a show about the Challenger explode, exploding. I do remember that show. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, honestly remember that show. I, 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 wow, that's funny. He did that. He did Robert Kennedy's assassination. Don't remember that one. Yeah, well, that was sixty-eight. You weren't born. Not alive yet. Okay, very yeah. good. I, I didn't, I didn't ask that with a furrowed brow. I knew you yeah, weren't alive. Yeah, yeah, that was a little serious of a question there. Yeah, I knew you weren't that old. Yeah, five years later. He did that. He he did all kinds of social commentaries, and we were just talking about it off air when Eddie Murphy did the skit, and it was hilarious. They even had that in the documentary. He was offended by it because he thought that it came down to people thinking he was more simplistic than he was. Because for everything that you want to say about Mr. Rogers, it looks simple with puppets and all this. He was talking about incredibly important societal things. There, were, there was a summer, multiple summers really, but there was a summer where uh, there was a pool where black children were being thrown out of this pool and they were dumping bleach in the pool mm -hmm. so that the black yeah. children would not be there anymore. So what's he do? He invites his police officer from the neighborhood, who's black, into a little kiddie pool, and they had their feet washed in the pool, and he looks into the camera, and he says, I love you. 
just like I love everyone else. I mean, that is badass. Yeah. He's talking about feelings in front of a congressional committee so that he can continue the public funding for uh, public or the, the, the funding for public television. I mean, he was a soft spoken badass. Man. And that, that with him, man, that's the thing. I haven't seen the documentary yet, but that's one thing that I did know about him and that how close like America was to losing funding for public access and stuff like that. And look, like it or hate it. Still, it's public access television, and it's a big deal. There's a lot of people who grow up on that stuff. Kids are educated NPR. on that stuff. And that dude went to the he went to the mat for it. Like went to Congress, spoke eloquently about it, and and really was the driving force between behind saving that entire thing. They showed some of bits and pieces of testimony leading up to Mister Rogers giving his testimony, and they were not swayed until he got up there. It, it was it was truly. Awe-inspiring. And if you haven't got a chance to see the documentary, do take a chance and watch it. Because I I felt like I needed a good cry, man. And I, I, I was crying at the beginning. I'm crying at the middle. I'm sobbing at the end. And the one thing he asked you to do, he said, think for one minute. Don't say anything. Think for one minute about one person that changed your life. And just think for that minute about that person. And then they cut to each and every one of the people that was interviewed for the documentary. And each one of them started crying, and then they each mentioned who they were thinking of. So was it my mom, my dad, this person, that person? It just, it's just incredibly moving. Wow, you're about to tear up right now. I am tearing up. Did you think of Shirtless Tom when you're like, one person that's changed my life? It was Shirtless Tom that popped into your head, wasn't it? Well, my wife comes to me, and she goes, were you thinking of me? I said, oh, yeah. No. Yeah, of course I was. And, she's, yeah. and I said, were you thinking of me? She goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then who were you really thinking of, though? Grandfather. <laughs> what? It wasn't me? No. But, I mean, your wife's got to give some due to that, right? The grandfather was there before the wife, and he helped shape you as the young man that the wife eventually grew to love. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. Back to the poll. Have you ever thrown anything in a fit of rage? 89% of the audience says yes. The other 11% are liars. I guarantee you Mr. Rogers never threw anything in a fit of rage. <laughs> Never happened. Sure. You're wrong. I think he took this sweater and like. Haven't you ever seen the picture of him flipping off the camera? He had a dark side. Whoa! Oh, yeah. He probably tossed a puppet to the side. He threw the bird. <laughs> Dave in Colorado. Hey, buddy. Hey, Adam. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm sitting on a porch, sipping a cold one. And, uh, hey, uh, what's going on with Pitt football? Can you give me a thumbnail sketches? No, Doozy's just not getting the ponies. I mean, back in the day, man, Marino, Ricky Jackson, you Green, and they had some great teams, Adam. It just doesn't seem like they can recruit. If I painted you a picture of the Pitt football program, it would look like an abstract Picasso. I mean, it's it's just disgusting. And it has yeah. it has no idea what it wants to be. Now, Picasso did, okay, a terrible analogy. Whatever. It's a bad football program with a coach who, to me, it seems like doesn't have a plan and isn't good enough X's and O's wise to make up for the shortcomings in talent. I understand. And does it seem like the Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania talent, Northern West Virginia, Eastern Ohio talent is not there anymore? It's there. It's just not there the way it is in Florida. It's not there the way that it is in Louisiana. It's not there the way yeah. that it is in Texas. So it's going to be tough. Thanks for the call, Dave. Four one two nine two two 
two eight seven four. Uh, Tom, you say that that was he got on the air there with by being fraudulent. Well, you know, he he told me the pit take. I thought he was just talking to me about it, kind of like you know, me and him have kind of developed a relationship between uh, the amount of times he's called into our show. Um, I thought he was going to talk about the kung fu fighting thing, and he had said he had a uh, answer to your temper tantrum thing. We never got to that. No, we didn't. Should I take partial responsibility, or is no, it all no, you no, and Dave? No, no, I don't think it's it's your fault at all. I'm I'm actually going to wear this one completely. So Dave's absolved. You're absolved. That's on me. I didn't expect yeah, to get into the Fred Rogers. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's where I would have come. I'm glad back. you agree, Tom Spot. I didn't expect to get into the Fred Rogers thing today. I thought tomorrow might be a lighter day, so we might get into it then. I did tease that we were going to talk one more time about Antonio Brown being sued, and he's being sued now by allegedly three different entities. One is a power drink company. The other one is the uh, person whose property he damaged by chucking things out the window, and the other is the father of a toddler who almost got hit with the stuff Antonio Brown was chucking out the window. The question is, as we go around the room, does this affect the team at all? No, absolutely not. I think your point earlier in the show was spot on. Yeah. The, the people in the locker room, the, the teammates are just, they're, they're, they're jazzing them, you know? They're giving them a hard time. This is classic stuff for, for, for teammate fodder. Maybe not the team. But this has got to be playing hard on Antonio in some way, shape, yes. or form, right? I mean, you wonder why the Wi-Fi's not lit. You wonder why you're missing training camp. You wonder why things are going the way they are. Why isn't the connection there anymore? I mean, is it is it not obvious enough that there are things going on in this guy's life? Things going on. So the team, not. Antonio Brown, jury's out. I don't know. Yes, this could be affecting him, which in turn comes around and affects the team if that connection. And right. that is a good point. The other thing I think it does is it just adds to the perception that it is a bunch of loose cannons here in Pittsburgh doing whatever the hell they want. Now, to that I will say, it's not Mike Tomlin's job to make sure that no. he's not throwing things out of his 14th story balcony. Look, Mike Tomlin's not a babysitter. And when I first saw this story this morning, I mean, I was up at like 4.30 in the morning and this popped up and I'm just laughing in a dark room to myself. I'm like, it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And I, the first thing I thought was there going to be yahoos coming out of the woodwork. Mike Tomlin, no discipline, no discipline. Cheerleader. He's like, ah, he just, he doesn't tell these guys anything. He just lets them do it. This is a thing that Mike Tomlin can't control. Mike Tomlin no. cannot control Antonio Brown when he's in a hotel room on the 14th floor. Mike Tomlin can say, hey, try to control yourself, dude. Try to keep yourself in check. But the thing is, Antonio Brown, grown-ass man, should be able to keep himself in check. So anybody who's coming out and saying this is a Tomlin discipline problem, it's not. This is an Antonio Brown head problem. You know what I thought when I first woke up this morning and read the story? Good thing it wasn't a hooker. Coming up next, hottest take of the day, other crap, and three stars of the show. It's in Pittsburgh. The Adam Crowley Show. Baby blue and white. Baby blue and white. Baby blue and white. Oh, that doesn't even sound right, right? Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Ding dong, touchdown. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. Everybody was It's been three hours 
And I have not once mentioned one of the bigger stories of the day. It's because it's still Steelers week right now. Matt Murray is out with a concussion. And it's now his third concussion at a very young age. He's also been hurt six times in his first couple of years with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So certainly something to monitor and something to be worried about, Penguins fans. Because the hope this year was that personal things don't happen again to Matt Murray. And God bless him for everything that went down with him last year. Then the other hope is that he stays healthy so he can develop a rhythm, so he can get better. And, well, it's two games in and he's already hurt. Uh, Some people were saying he's a candy ass. I had people blowing me up when I said I felt bad for him. Come on now. It's a concussion. Don't we know enough by now that you shouldn't call someone a candy ass for having a concussion? Some people are more predisposed to getting concussions than others, and it looks like Matt Murray is going to have to deal with that throughout the course of his career. Now, the NHL is trying to protect goaltenders more now than they ever have in the history of the league, but they're still shooting three-inch pieces of vulcanized rubber at your head. So there's not much you can do, really. Tristan Jari's going to come up. Be nice to see him get some playing time, but Casey DeSmith is the backup goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Former Pirate Brock Holt hit for the cycle yesterday. It's the first ever cycle in postseason baseball history. I was stunned to hear that. It means that it's more rare than a perfect game in Major League Baseball postseason history. But just because something's rare doesn't mean that it's great. And the cycle is incredibly freaking overrated. This is my take. I bring it up every time that there is a cycle. I can't stand the celebration that they get. Now, it can be cool when you're the proverbial triple away from the cycle and then you wind up getting that triple whenever you hit one into the notch that you shouldn't be trying to extend into the triple and then you do extend it into the triple. Like, that's kind of cool. But just because something rare doesn't mean that it's amazing. A cycle is a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. We all know this. I'd rather have a home run a double, a triple, and a home run. Or a single, a home run, a triple, and a home run. Replace any of the other stuff with a home run, it's a better day. Replace the single that you need for the triple with a double, it's a better day. Put the triple instead of the double, it's a better day. The triple instead you hit a home run, it's a better day. Yeah, cycles are cool, they don't happen very often, But there are so many better things you could do as a baseball player than hit for one. By virtue of that being the first ever postseason cycle, that means that he's the only player in the history of Major League Baseball, Brock Holt, to hit for the cycle in the regular season and in the postseason. Would you take Reggie Jackson's home runs, three home runs in a World Series game, or the cycle? Oh, my God! Oh, my God! The cycle. Do they call Brock Holt Mr. October? You can't cycle your way to that, bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Brocktober. <laughs> now, hold up. That's the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other crap.
Antonio Brown's being sued because he allegedly threw a bunch of furniture out of his 14th story balcony. I think it was actually Ben Roethlisberger throwing furniture over Antonio Brown's head. Woo! Other crap. Chances are this case will get thrown out. Woo! Other crap. It's been two days since the Browns won on the weekend. Woo! Other crap. There's not as much gusto when it's only two days. Woo! Other crap. It's been 48 hours since they won a weekend game. Woo! Other crap. It's been 516 days since Pitt basketball in a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, starting strong. Yesterday was Columbus Day, where the Redskins, Braves, and Indians were all crushed. Hopefully you didn't scalp any tickets to the events. Big feather in the cap for the Dodgers, Saints, and Astros. I was red-faced making those jokes. <laughs> second star. Speaking of faces, tonight's second star of the show, Drew Brees' face. I was staring at it a lot today. Like early morning, I wake up and I was like, like scientifically like examining this thing. Because I came to a conclusion. It looks like New Jersey? It, it does look like a state, yes. Uh, and this has nothing to do with the birthmark, but I hate Drew Brees' face. <laughs> Damn it. I, sorry, I didn't mean to I do spent that water all over the wall. I hate Drew Brees' face. I like Drew Brees, though. Like, Drew Brees as a quarterback and a guy, pretty good dude. Great quarterback. Just hate his face. Third star. And tonight's first star of the show, Spackle. I hear you like the Spackle. Was it homemade or man? Was it Crowley made or did you go out and buy some? Whoa, Graves! <laughs> Jesus! All right, we're going. To, we're going around the room. What'd you throw, Graves? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, you know what? I threw my keys on the ground and just in public in a temper tantrum <laughs> with my wife. At, at, a, at a outside of beer, at a, a wine, we were on vacation, and I literally had a meltdown in front of my kids. This was about three years ago. I mean, it was I had a full on tantrum. Like I threw, I literally threw my keys on the ground and like stomped my feet. It was I didn't realize I was doing it until I was doing it. I mean, I once got hammered at a uh, what was it St. Patrick's Day party and threw a cheesesteak at my wife. Well, I mean, did she put? Did she get peppers on it? I mean, I, I like cheesesteak, but I'm not a big pepper guy. So I, if it had peppers on it, I would have thrown it too. Peppers, onion, steak, cheese whiz, all up on her face. And no, I didn't make that my own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to think of spackle the same way. Me neither. Is caulk and spackle the same thing? What? Caulk and spackle. Are they the same thing? Oh, yeah. Caulk and spackle go together. They yeah. don't. Well, they go together. They're not the same thing. They're not. Caulk comes out of a tube, whereas... Where's Spackle come from? Well, in, I thought Spackle came from the tube. In Will Graves' world, Spackle comes from the tube. Yeah. But in the construction world, Spackle comes from a tub and you have to scoop it out. Spack or Caulking, you have to shoot from a gun. My father-in-law is really good at caulking, according to my mother-in-law. Gets wow. it in all the little nooks and crannies. That's eye-opening. I always thought the caulk had to do with the gun. So It does. Oh, okay. You're not even listening to me! I'm confused. 
So not the same thing? No, they're not the same thing. Do, okay. you to, do I have to do it again? I mean, the caulking comes from the tube, the spackle comes from the tub, and they're usually used somewhat simultaneously. It just depends on what you're doing at home. So. See, I, I always thought that it was the same thing. Like, spackle was caulk. Like, basically, you just used it in a different way. I mean, I don't, I'm horrible at home improvement. Spackle, so. you, you put over a hole. So you don't spa- take spackle out of the caulk? No. Okay. That's news to me. And then no, the no, caulk, I'm just, I'm, it's a legitimate question. I know, I'm saying it's news to me. The caulk is for the cracks, the spackle's for the holes. Yeah, that, that fits. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Who let the dogs out? Tomorrow, plenty of Bengals stillers talk, much more on the Penguins and Ole Mata being sat down on the bench, plus a bunch of erroneous other things, much like today. Uh, we're going to have Colby Armstrong on. Tim Benz will be joining the program. And prior to the show, we're going out to a high school football field. And we're kicking <laughs> yeah. some field goals. Yeah, we still need to figure out if we're actually, as adults, allowed to be on a high school field during high school. But, hey, we'll figure it out. Well, if they're not going to allow adults to be on the high school field, they might as well allow us three, right? <laughs> Although Tom will be shirtless. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well. Yeah, his picture's going to be on a bunch of walls.